Actual happiness always looks pretty squalid in comparison with the overcompensations for misery. And of course, stability isn't nearly so spectacular as instability. And being contented has none of the glamour of a good fight against misfortune, none of the picturesqueness of a struggle with temptation, or a fatal overthrow by passion or doubt. Happiness is never grand. This is a quote from one of my favorite authors, Aldous Huxley, um, from the book Brave New World. Now, you are probably like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? I promise it will make sense by the end of this podcast. Oddly enough, um, I recorded a reading about navigating a downward spiral. There was this uh, graphic that I saw on Instagram in which, and I put it in my Instagram story for those who saw it, um, in which they were talking about, uh, I'm finding it. It literally says the emotional guidance scale. So it has an upward spiral in which it moves from contentment all the way up to joy while the downward spiral, 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 I don't know what was going on there with my voice, um, goes down to fear, grief, depression, powerlessness, and victimhood. So um, personally, I have been in the right side of that graphic experiencing uh, a downward spiral. And I just did a reading in which I was providing some guidance for people who are experiencing that because I think, you know, in society, the goal is to like get over bad feelings and not I experience them. And, you know, just only feel good things, which is where we see like the whole toxic positivity culture, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so I'm at a place where I don't buy into that. So it's really, I'm not going to say it's easy for me, um, but I'm definitely able to sit in um, short periods of depression and, and grief and sadness and realizing and knowing that they will end. And so it's really funny because this reading that I did, one aligned with a story that I ended up sharing. So something that's happened to me over the last couple of weeks, in addition to the cards that I pulled prior to this reading. So I asked for a bit of guidance um, as we're navigating the Leo quarter moon to the Scorpio full moon. And it was very surprising. Um, and I'll explain those in a second. I want to tell this story first. It's going to make a lot of sense as we move through some of the transits that are happening over the next week. This is going to be the last fast week in for a really long time. Like this week where we're like, oh my God, time is flying in quarantine. It feels like it just started yesterday. Mark my words. It, shit is going to feel really, really slow 
uh, starting next week or week after next because everything is going to be slowing down. It's going to be retrograde after retrograde after retrograde after retrograde. By the begin by uh, the end of May, or I'll say by the beginning of June, every planet except the sun and moon and Mars, because the sun and moon cannot go retrograde, are going to be retrograde in the sky. And by the time Venus gets out of retrograde, we are then going to be preparing for September in which we have Mars going retrograde. And, you know, Mars is ruled by uh, rules Aries. So that's a planet related to like speed and movement. So even though everything else is going to be going direct, the end of the year is going to be kind of really frustrating. Um, So I just want to share that with you. I want to share that with you because I also want to share this with you. So one of the cards that was at the bottom of the deck when I just recorded this reading a couple of minutes ago was exhaustion. If you have been moving, 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 um, it's very likely that you have just been hit really fucking hard by a block to any type of momentum movement that you're feeling or just feeling like whoa energetically the things have just shifted really really hard and are heading downhill really really quickly in a way that makes me feel really 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 uncomfortable and that's absolutely fine um the story i want to share with you so i was asked so one of the projects that i work on um, one of the people ended up leaving, um, and they asked me to go to their home to pick up all of the stuff that we need. I'm a pretty, you know, I don't like to argue or, um, go back and forth with people about a lot of things. So lots of times it can lead me into time to into experiences in which people's weird power dynamic games that they like try to play, I've kind of fall into them because I'm not paying attention because I'm more feel like being the bigger person or just getting some shit done is important. Right. So I'm like, whatever. Like I was like, fine, I will make the time to go do it. So I was going to go and pick up this stuff. And I, as I'm going to my car, and try to start my car. It just stopped, just like my car. Anyway, <laughs> so the car just did not work. Like, it just did not work at all. Like, it would, like, you know, I have push button start in my vehicle. It literally, the lights would kind of come on, and it would not, the engine, whatever reaction, mechanical reaction causes the car to then be a car and start moving was not happening at all. So I was like, okay great so i texted them and i'm like okay i can't come get you the stuff because my car is not working and so eventually they have someone drop the stuff off at my house for me and it was at that moment that i realized i shouldn't have been going out to get the things anyway and to be quite honest i i was felt really frustrated and annoyed that i had to go do it i didn't necessarily say anything about it and it definitely had a lot to do with me being in my own experience where i was having that downward spot so i wasn't really interested in communicating with anybody who isn't within like my 
chosen group of like three people or people who can communicate with me and literally expect nothing in return from me right so those are the only two groups of people that i was interested in talking to this person did not fit into either of those categories so i was kind of really fucking annoyed and didn't really want to do it and so it was really funny when with the car (laughs) not working because i i was like well i can't go anywhere and so you know me being you know me I'm like, okay, beyond my car not working and there needing to be something fixed, there definitely is a larger um, story arc um, that is very symbolic to to take in and, and realize about this. Okay, so, wow, this is gonna tie in so beautifully with the cards that I picked and the title of this podcast. And you're gonna be like, whoa, oh my God. And then you're gonna listen to me talk about the Astro and then it's gonna be so great. Anyway, um, so the I come in and like I feel this like weakness in my legs, like literally my legs felt like they were going to like collapse like it was wild. Um, And it was really funny because I ended up talking to it was just a day where I had to say no to a lot of things that I was really interested in doing but wasn't able to do a lot of really fun projects that I honestly did not have the emotional or mental bandwidth. I don't even know if I still, I still don't honestly have the emotional or mental bandwidth to do. Um, And it really sucked to have to say no. It really sucked to have to quit is that's what it felt like to me. It felt like quitting. Um, It felt impossible uh, to do these things because I just could not and still struggle to get my mind in the mental space to be able to show up in those spaces that people expect me to. Um, you know, there was a really dope project related to an Oracle deck that I was supposed to be contributing to. And I've been so afraid to do it. And now I'm at a space where like, I, you know, where I was like facing imposter syndrome and like a whole bunch of other shit. Now I'm at a space where I can't do it at all because my body is like, no, I'm done. And my brain is like, no, I'm done. I can't. My emotional body is like, no, I can't. I'm done. And so having to say no and feeling kind of like ashamed and feeling really bad for like kind of like wasting somebody's time. In in my opinion, I felt like I was wasting someone's time. Right. And so all of that. And so I'm talking to Sanam. Hello. I know you're listening. <laughs> and she was like, should we pull a card? And the card I pull, I pull a card from the Black Power Tarot and I pull the Hanged Man. And it's really funny because on in the deck, the Hanged Man is Tupac. Um, and it was really funny because she then pulls that card from her deck from the, I think the She-Wolf Tarot. And that card is referred to as like the Hanged Being. And in the version of the card, it's a woman who's like in the clouds and her legs are covered in like a cement block, right? So she's literally stuck. And her legs are covered. And that was really interesting to me because like, you know, Sanam is not mentioned you you're having issues with your legs. I'm like, oh my God, like the hanged man is like hanging by his legs and blah, 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 blah. And like, it's, you know, all about a change in perspective and like being able to sit in and experience discomfort and the enlightenment that comes from that and the opportunity to free yourself from the bondage that you feel from the circumstances that you're in. Put a pin in that. So fast forward to this week where I am have to do something about my car 
So I, my dad came down. He lives in um, Virginia. He lives about an hour away from me um, to help me take it to the dealership because people like to scam and, and play games with uh, people who they do not perceive to know anything about vehicles. So I needed that additional support there um, to deal with that. And so we drop off the car. He's helping me like in my apartment with stuff. And, you know, so they send me a text um, with like this like link. This is some next level. This is some new shit, you know. So it's, there's this text to this link that like takes me on this thing that shows me it's like, oh, there are 11 things, issues that failed on your car or whatever. So I have to click through all of the things and click if I want the services or not. And I'm just like, what the fuck is like, what is all this? And so like, I kid you not, it was like well over $3,000 worth of shit that they wanted me to fix on my car. And I'm just like, what do I need to get my car to run? And so my dad's like, yeah, just call them and ask them like, what, what, what is that? Like, what do we need to do for that? So I call the dude. I'm like, hey, he doesn't answer his phone. One, he doesn't, his cell phone goes straight to voicemail. I'm like, all right, cool. Interesting. So I call the place. I'm like, hey, I want to speak to my driving car advisor person or whatever the fuck. And they're like, okay, cool. Like, he's he's talking to someone right now. I'll give you a call back. I'm like, all right, cool. Leave a message for him. Tell him to call me. And so, like, he calls me back. And he's like, and I'm like, oh, hey, like, I saw I got the thing. He's like, yeah, you just, like, it's up to you. Like, whatever you want to get done. I said, what are, what do I, what needs to be fixed so that I can get my car started? He's like, yeah, you know, there were lots of the, and he's like, starts laughing. And I'm like, bitch, don't don't play this little game what do i need to get my vehicle started he's like oh uh, it was the battery i was like okay perfect we can fix the battery of the car all of that other shit we don't need to worry about it, right cool and so like talking to my dad and like we're like going through like the other things that are happening with the vehicle or whatever and you know he mentions like you know like these things like while right now our goal is to make sure that your car gets started again all of these things like long term will be issues you know if we don't do something about them now so you know i'm creating a plan to to uh work through and, and fix those other things so looking at to make this story make sense you're like okay Monty, you keep talking about your fucking car what the fuck does this have to do with anything again nice neat little bow that will be wrapped up for you so the card at the bottom of the deck was exhaustion when we're exhausted and especially when we're existing in white supremacy and we're existing in capitalism there is a real lot of energy that we center around keeping up appearances um to navigate the day-to-day um and doing enough stuff to get going again and to get started so that we can get back to operating and existing in those spaces that we are conditioned to need and have these relationships with right when it comes to like our job when it comes to our relationships with our family when it comes to our part in some instances our partnerships our friendships or whatever you know it's about what do i need to do to get back to doing that but what happens is especially when we're having a moment in which we're experiencing the downward spiral. So the, the thing that's really important here, and I'm going to start talking about the cards. So I pulled a mudra card and the card that I got was the Dharma Chakra Mudra. 
Um, and the Dharma Chakra Mudra, Mudra is, uh, it's a gesture, it's a gesture, it's a gesture of turning the wheel. So it's the one where you see someone join their pointer finger and their thumb and they are turning a wheel. You'll see this picture on my Instagram. So Dhamma or Dharma is the, it is the natural cycle and rhythm of things. Rising and passing. Things fall away. Things come into to fruition. Buddhism itself is about alleviating suffering. And it sees existence as suffering. Right. Which, you know, to the a certain extent, yes, because there are constraints to our physical existence and there are constraints to what something can do based on, on a, a thousand and one different hundred million different things that are happening every single day, you know? And so the way that we alleviate suffering is to eliminate aversions or cravings. I was craving my car starting again. What is satisfying to me is that I'm able to get my car up and running. I'm avoiding having to pay potentially thousands of dollars to fix a lot of things that granted, they weren't necessary in that moment, but in the long term are needed to sustain my vehicle. So like, let's use this analogy on ourselves. While there are lots of things that we can do to it, it temporarily alleviate what we perceive as suffering or, or hardship, the leaning into avoiding or leading into craving something different is ultimately gonna bring us back to that same place. And this is something that we talked about during the full moon in Leo, if you go back and you listen to that episode. So this is coming full circle. This is a, that was a really funny Dharma wheel joke that I hope you thought was funny. If you didn't, that's, that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's that it's being able to, to realize and see for ourselves that, you know, while it's important to get the car running, it's also important that the, the system and, and structures are put in place for us to deal with the times in which that's just not enough. You know, the natural order of things is that things die, right? There's going to be a day in which my car just doesn't work anymore. There's going to be a day in which I'm not alive anymore. You can say that about anything or anyone, anything, you know, the seasons show us that every single year. And so because we know that, because we know that every day that we're living, ooh, this is going to get morbid, we are also working towards death. What is it that we are doing to make that as 
I don't know, graceful as a process as it possibly can be? What can we do to make sure that in our temporary moments in which we experience death, ooh, Scorpio full moon vibes, right? What can we do to ensure that we know how to navigate that experience? You see, the Western world doesn't have a, a process related to understanding and working through and navigating death because it sees death as the end and it doesn't see it as a beginning point. But when we can see the downward spiral into fear, into grief, and into depression, a moment that arises from stillness, just like happiness and contentment, there is um, there's something that's there. And it's not to say that that's something that we see in the middle of experiencing it. Of course it's not, and that's fine. But it's is again the natural of order of things you know the idea of this too shall pass exists in both the most positive and negative sense and so having to be able to understand that and so what Huxley was saying about happiness not being as glamorous and exciting and woo you know as we would like it to be I think that's what we want it to be and we want it to feel like that. Um, but there is a, a very, there's an ordinariness in things being enough and in things being okay. Something that Torians really just get. They really, really get it. They really understand it. They're like, I, you know, I, I eat, I sleep. This is my thing that I do. I do this thing for... <laughs> The, the the freaking many drama tourist video self-care uh, we're gonna go hiking and this is my favorite uh, blah, 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 and i'm gonna eat chef you know all of that stuff right it's like it, there's a simplicity and groundedness that torians understand i made this joke um <laughs> someone has sent this picture of this uh this chick so gorgeous um and it was her birthday and i was like she looks like a taurus like she just looks like a taurus like they literally just sit and exist and are pretty and like beautiful like nature nature says and i know someone is like ah, you said this to me in your in my in my dms or whatever yes i did i did say this to you because it was very insightful for me to realize this you're very welcome that you got to witness it let me stop anyway so like the sun you know nature doesn't ask for much it asks for sunlight it asks for water. It asks for soil to be grounded in. It asks to be pollinated so that it can continue to exist. That's all it needs. That's all it needs. That's literally all that it needs. And so where is it in our lives that we really need to reframe our idea of what it is that we need versus what we're told that we need um, in the appearances that we feel that we're meant to kind of keep up some of the other cards that came up were ishtar which is really great because you know we've just we the easter or ostaria is the uh celebration of ishtar the fertility goddess and her card of boundaries love yourself enough to say no to others and demands on your time and energy this is a, a month in which everything that you didn't say no to yourself 
the universe is going to say no for you and it's going to hurt physically. <laughs> then we have temperance. Not Ooh, yes. The temperance card, which I pulled from the Black Power Tarot. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, the person who represents the, the, the angel on the temperance card is Curtis Mayfield. And I want to read a quote from King Khan who created the deck. The angel on the card of temperance is finding his balance in tranquility and healing himself, much needed after the nameless card. The water, a symbol of love, is being transferred from one vessel to another. And in the process, the angel is finding out where to give his love and how much. Curtis Mayfield sang in the soft, this most beautiful falsetto voice, a perfect trait to go along with the androgynous nature of the angel of temperance. Curtis was also the guardian for people, especially reflected in the message behind his songs, a soothing healer who offered advice, but also wrote some of the most calming, majestic music ever made. So as soon as I saw that he was on this card, there were two songs that came to mind that I would encourage you all to listen to, which is Don't Worry. Um, and the other is The Makings of You. So in Don't Worry, he it's very... Uh, it's a very brave new world in which, you know, the idea is, you know, if there's hell below, we're all going to go, right? If, <laughs> if things are fucked up and if everything is fucked, we're all going to be fucked together, right? And I feel like that's definitely a, a reality that we're living in right now that we see where we're like, wow, you're screwing with those people. So you're also screwing with me. Wow, great, perfect. Oh, wow, you've been tricked into screwing yourself and now you're screwing everyone. Awesome, fantastic. And it kind of speaks to this greater idea of like, if there isn't something, if we don't do something, and if we keep listening to voices that tell us we don't really need to do anything, we're all gonna have to suffer from that, right? The song was written when Nixon was president. I think that puts in perspective for you what's going on in the way that the temperance card um, which is represents representative of the the Sagittarian energy is presented in the Moonchild tarot it one of the it has the waxing crescent and the first quarter moon listed and so one of the sides of the card is is a cup of water and the other one is a, a cup of fire. And so it speaks to this emerging from old conditioning and being bail, held back as well. So again, we're mo working through the first quarter moon cycle. So there's this like something has to change. Something has to change. Um, in the case of it being the Taurus sun with the Leo moon, it's more of like nothing will change, even though everything needs to change. Right. And then there's that kind of like annoying Mars in uh, <laughs> Aquarius voice. that's like, maybe you should change some things. And it's like, maybe you should just shut your fucking mouth and mind your fucking business. And it's like, oh, OK, cool. I'm I'm just saying I'm just suggesting that we should my maybe should change a couple of things and like think about the future. Right. And it's like, I, da, 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 right. And so we're all probably at a point where there are lots of people who are talking to us about the future. Um, and we're not necessarily really interested in what they have to say because we're really focused on the present moment and all of the things that make us very uncomfortable about it. Um, 
But the biggest question and the biggest thing that I'm pulling from this, especially because Temperance is here. So the song, The Makings of You, is is really beautiful. And I think it touches on exactly what I was talking about with the simplicity of nature and the, even the simplicity of the Taurian archetype and how it just is. Um, the It's about being. The state of being, when we look at it in nature, we look at like plants and other sentient beings, haha, um, they just are. You know, when we think about birds and we think about you know, the other animals and they just are, you know, there's none of like the drama. It's like this, this, <laughs> these natural processes that they just experience and deal with every single day. You know, you look at an animal, even after an animal is like being attacked or has been scared, it like shakes off the trauma and it just keeps going, right? Because they're a lot less, I'm not going to say they are, they are complex in their own special way. Humans are complex in an entirely different way, right? In which we stop parts of the natural order and process of things within ourselves. That's Do you see what I'm saying? And we do things where we're exhausted and we know that there's upkeep, there's systems, there's structures, there's rituals and routines that we need, forms that we need in our lives to allow the space for us to work through and experience some of the really hard, deep and intense emotions that we're feeling and experiencing. And our societal conditioning is like, nope, we, we got to keep going. We got to no, we just need to get started again. We just need to get started again. Right. And that's been the programming since like day one. So it's very hard to, to one name sometimes um, because it's very covert and it's very sneaky. Um, but it's even harder to to embody because it, it is really scary and it kind of goes against everything that we believe in and know um, about ourselves within the context of the world that we live in, right? So listen to the makings of you and, and realize how amazing you are. And it's a beautiful song that really speaks to, there's a really big uh, resurgence of a lot of really deep and intense inner child stuff that people are being asked to work through. Right. That is really important as we're moving into like building the future. What we what that requires of us is to revisit in the past in a way that allows us to examine what made this present moment possible so that moment doesn't happen again in the future. Right. Or if it does happen again in the future, because cycles and the rhythm of nature and whatever, you know, we have a system in place in which we know how to deal with it in a very healthy way where we can center healing and um, I, I just really feel the need to just talk about like somatic therapy. <laughs> There's going to be this somatic, uh, a gener generative somatics is having a workshop on the fifth. I'm going to put the link in the description box. Let me write this down so that I don't forget. So I wrote for questions. Do we trust in the natural cycle and rhythm of Mother Earth and the universe? Are we willing to shift what we need personally and collectively in order to make the natural cycles of life give us what we need, even in a moment in which things are really uncertain? We are just being asked to have faith. There are cycles and beings that outlive our understanding and perspective and intelligence and existence. I will say that again. There are beings, 
cycle there and cycles that outlive our understanding, perspective, intelligence, and existence. The card that I pulled from my medicine deck was the turtle. The other day I saw uh, Nora had sent me a picture of a 104 year old turtle that had just given birth to its baby and the baby was five days old. That turtle has a wealth of experience and knowledge and understanding and has seen the natural order of things a lot longer than that five-day-old turtle has. So there are things that have that sort of intelligence and perspective about life and death and cycles and trust and faith, the natural order and cycles. Those things exist. So what we do in order to show that we trust these cycles and we trust nature, we trust Gaia, you know, we just had Earth Day, is that we choose the boundaries and structures that we need, the foundation that we need in our lives in order to make space for that faith and that trust to show up for us. Taurians change for no one, but think about a Taurus who doesn't change because of the values they aligned with and are constantly choosing. So this is an invitation to break out of the old programming. My dad, who just had his birthday on the 25th, is a Taurus. He just turned 50. He has a Capricorn moon. Um, there's a very funny story that he told me about when he was in school and the teacher had them doing a, they had, he had a typing class and he looked at the teacher and he told her that this is stupid and that he would never have to ever use this. And he doesn't understand why he's doing it. And it's a waste of his time. Fast forward to 2020 where we have laptops and phones and a thousand and one other things that require us to know how to type right stubborn Taurus who doesn't want to change for anyone but like also this is someone who when he speaks about so he was in the military for 30 years and when he talks about like how successful he has been able to be and and his drive and his motivation is his commitment to his family I am a motivator for him my mother is a motivator for him my brother is a motivator for him being able to ensure that we have a quality of life in which they have we have well to him financial freedom <laughs> to be able to take care of ourselves and provide for ourselves and make sure that the people that he loves are taken care of, you know? So like, those are the values. He doesn't change what he does, his approach or way of navigating his life and his experience because that's what the fuck his goal is. That's what he's constantly choosing. So what is that for you? So where are you creating, one, where are you setting and laying the foundation? That's your values, right? then what boundaries are, are you creating and setting and constantly choosing to reinforce that? The Hierophant 
um, is the card that represents Taurus. And so it's, you know, the status quo, it's the Pope, it's lessons, it's institutions, it's materialism. It's we, this idea that we need things, we value objects, people are valuable when they are objects. Um, in Brave New World, to, to bring that around, um, it, John, when John the Savage comes into the world, he's just like, y'all are really fucking weird, right? Um, because it takes the human out of humanity. Everything becomes hierarchical and things do not have value beyond what they can do for us rather than their intrinsic value, right? Nature shows us that things are valuable because they exist. Humans, when they forget that humanity involves you know, being human and being a being and being a part of nature in the natural cycle of things, which is what capitalism has removed us so far from, right? We only find thing, we only a thing, assign value to things and find them valuable, right? Which is why we have paper money. Paper doesn't really mean much of anything, but for some reason, that's what our currency is based on. Don't even get me started. So where are we searching for misery and pain where we can find pleasure in being. Being doesn't require rules or right or wrong when it is alignment with self and not harmful to others. We control what we eat, what we say, what we sleep, when we work, when we do go out, what we wear, how we look, what beauty is, what a normal body type is, what is health, what, you know, all of those things. One of the things that was very interesting to me to kind of go into this brave new world kind of thing um <laughs> is like the idea of uh so we were taking soma right and it was a drug that they took to feel happiness and we would go back to like what huxley said in the book about happiness is like it's not this extraordinary feeling like it's really it's very ordinary and it's and it's not very exciting right soma also means body so they were literally ingesting the body they were literally ingesting something to make them feel alive. It's the book is so amazing. Please read the book again and again and again if you haven't read it already. It's one of my favorites. So uh, my questions are what spells are cast and what potions exist using that analogy of drugs to fabricate happiness. We think about, this is really odd, but I want you to think about like the idea of happy hour. Um, the idea of paying for experiences versus paying for things, things we do want or enjoy because they are a part of the status quo. Not that all of them need to go away, but what are they? How do they influence your perception of your own value and of what is valuable outside of you? What are objects of pleasure that we use to function? What is the function of pleasure in a society and can we have enough? And, I think being able to see pleasure as this as this space of like contentment and like it being enough. Can we have enough? No, but maybe our pleasure seeking needs to be different or the idea of pleasure has to be expanded with concrete values, right? So the idea is we're going back to values. Can we look at money and resources as a means to create the experiences that we find meaningful rather than buying objects and things to find meaning? There will always be something else to buy. And so this is the part in which because we're running to a space in which all of that is slowly coming to a stop, right? Remember when we leave quarantine, Venus is going to be retrograde. 
when lots of these states open up again, it's going to be Venus retrograde. So we shouldn't be spending lots of money. We shouldn't be doing unnecessary things. There's going to be a lot of really fucked up haircuts by the end of May. I just want to put that out there just, just so you know. It's appropriate and normal in our society to abandon ourselves and our needs especially our pleasure to keep objects and material things rather than to create security and stability my car is important because it gives me access to people and things and experiences it allows me to travel it allows me to add ease to my life and while you know it's an asset and it's a privilege to to be able to own a vehicle um it's it's not you know I'm, I'm not someone who feels the need to have a very fancy car because it just really serves one function which is the function of like can I be able to do you know these things it adds a sense of security and stability for me so even for yourself beyond the physical things that you own what parts of you serve the function of creating security and stability how can we prioritize pleasure how does nature show that it prioritizes pleasure it's the idea of creation versus productivity what are your inner possessions that do not have an inherent monetary value what things do you struggle to see as valuable? Test your own ideas of value, beauty, appearance, money, creativity by asking yourself who is protected by your aversions or cravings. Really dig into particular whys or ways. Dig into your insecurities and ask who is protected by this belief and what value or larger belief systems and ideologies are supported by it. This is, we're, we're about to start digging. We're going towards this full moon in Scorpio. It's about to get kind of intense. And this next week is going to have a lot of very uncomfortable things that we have to face about ourselves and about each other and it's an invitation as we become so aware of who we are and the direction oops something fell that we're going in of what beyond what we claim that we want or, or need in this moment, what are the things that make the boundaries hard to enforce but also create some of the hard boundaries that we have about where we're willing to go, what we're willing to say and what we're willing to do to continue to center our values and at the end of the day, if you're not able to pinpoint what inner possessions that you have that are of an inherent monetary value, uh, that do not have an inherent monetary value, just think about yourself. 
and what boundaries you create to reinforce that you are valuable. I'm going to take a quick break. I spent like 40 minutes ranting at you about tarot cards and Aldous Huxley, who, by the way, is a Leo sun, Taurus moon. So isn't it beautiful that he was also born under the same energy that we're experiencing right now? But in the, not the reverse, but the, you know. Anyway, I'll be back. Hey there. You're listening to the Movement Workers Guide to Astrology to help support the production of this podcast and its creator, yours truly. I invite you to make a sustaining donation to my PayPal or book a reading. All proceeds go towards equipment, software, and an occasional workshop to enhance your listening experience. All of that information can be found in the description box. Thanks for listening. First quarter moon to full moon. As we already saw, The first quarter moon symbolizes a crisis in relationship, an actional crisis which involves both the repudiation of what does not harmonize with the growing life and the deliberate building of new structures and faculties which will make it possible for the coming full moon illumination to be held and assimilated. The period below the first quarter phase is one in which obstacles must be overcome. The enmity of the old world must be met. Willful activity is at its peak at the midpoint of the second period of the lunation when the moon and the sun form a 135 degree aspect, a sessi quadrant. This aspect can be said to be a semi-square plus a square which is 45 degrees and the square is 90 but math right (laughs) but with the semi-square establishes a confrontation the shock of what is sharp and at times devastating for the unprepared organism the sesequadrant aspect represents a deliberate type of struggle in which the growing organism or personality forces its own issues for the sake of a gradually clarified individual goal. One might say that the mo- in most cases, at the 45-degree phase, the solely lunar cycle, the outer world attacks the expanding organism, while at 135-degree phase, it is the individual who deliberately seeks to crush any obstacles in his path. If, however, the attempt is unsuccessful, then some organic psychic trouble may develop, of which consumption is a characteristic instance. As we come closer to the full moon, the indications of personal maturity and enlightenment become stronger. With such a lunation birthday, an individual should reach some kind of fulfillment, objective understanding, or illumination. So we're at the part in the lunation cycle in which shit is hard. Um, And especially given the fact that what we're experiencing collectively right now is, is deeply related to all of the things that we need for a sense of stability. So like our job, food, family, to talk to people, to socialize with people, to, you know, to eat, whatever, all of those things, right? 
And because there is a crisis that exists in all of those spaces, you know, this week, the thing has been where the food system is being disrupted and they are, you know, this is a little bit difficult to say, but you know, the, all of the slaughtering of all these poor little animals <laughs> that were already being raised in terrible and disgusting conditions being treated like shit, you know? And then, you know, we receive this refund check that's ultimately being funneled back into these companies that they just, it's just this endless cycle of bullshit with the Lysol nonsense and the, we've seen it. We've, we've seen all of it, right? And it's just very frustrating and annoying because we're like, no, I need to be good now. And we talked about this at the end of, uh, you know, last week's episode where it's like, well, what about this, this and this? Like, I need these particular areas of my life to be okay. Like, I need this particular thing, this particular experience to just work out and be what it is. Why the fuck does this shit have to change, right? It's basically what the Taurus moon, Taurus sun Leo moon is saying. But again, it's going back to the idea of maybe even some of the places where the appearances that we're trying to keep up to to keep the engine running, to get the car going, are, are missing the long-term point of the direction that we're trying to go into. And I think that's the frustrating ask that the Mars in Aquarius and Saturn in Aquarius have right now and are trying to have with these other planets that are, you know, in the sky right now, there's not necessarily this understanding. And I, I can imagine that it's going to get a little bit more difficult when we move from the full moon to the last quarter moon. And it's like, look, you see all of this bullshit that you feel and you experience that you're suppressing and you're repressing within you that's really casting this really gross, nasty shadow on what's possible for the future. And so to deal with that collectively is one thing. And it's really easy to get into a place where we feel kind of hopeless. And I'll even on a personal scale, right? If you're dealing with, you know, one thing that I've seen um, a lot of is lots of like in really deep inner child work that people are being asked to do right now, which is why some of the things that you're, you know, working through and experiencing right now feel really difficult is because they're not coming from right now. It's a, a reawakening of a really old wound. Most of the people who listen to this podcast are in like between 21 and like 25 years old. So I think it, it's worth, you know, naming and, and mentioning that like we are not children. And it, it can be really easy, especially when you're in like a inner child wound to get really stuck there and be like, have that same response that has been kind of programmed within you and to feel like you're being fought by the world outside of you even when people are trying to be helpful or even when people are just like being themselves it can be really really difficult not to internalize that and the full moon in scorpio i i will say this um literally within the next two weeks y'all it's gonna be two it's gonna be six months since 11-11, and if you don't remember that podcast episode and how incredibly powerful it was, in which literally straight up 
channeled messages came through in the recording of the podcast in which we were promised what we deserve and we were promised that we will be blessed, right? And so six months from then, moving into this moon cycle, it's it's a really big ask and it's a really big turning point in which it's like, look, everything that you want and everything that you are really seeking and asking for is incredibly possible. But the the bullheadedness that we feel and experience in tourist season where we really run straight into some of the most, you know, we triggering things that we could possibly experience, you know, on every single level, what are we going to do to heal that so that those blessings can be possible? Going back to what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, you see that very long-winded intro (laughs) in which I was explaining a Curtis Mayfield song and Brave New World and turtles and other things in a car is all completely related to that. You want, you have a goal, you have a particular value system that you have in place. And this cycle in this week is really going to push all of the buttons. It's going to flash red if we're going to continue to use this bull analogy to really see, well, one, what, how are you responding to that? There's a lot of power in being able to name how old you feel when something is triggering you. Because in that moment when you can realize like, oh, this response is a very old response, you have that opportunity then to, you know, just see that one. Um, And if you feel empowered to or feel safe to, then you can explore a different way of experiencing or or responding to that so that you can heal that and work through that. Um, And that's where we are. In this, uh, so today or the, the days leading up to today um, and even a couple days after, you may feel a little bit restless and jittery um, and have a lot of energy it, uh, out of nowhere. And it, especially if you haven't felt kind of like on top of your shit um, emotionally or physically, you may just kind of find that there is like a resurgence of energy that you're able to put into one particular area of your life, like maybe it be mentally, um, or you're just spending like a lot of time on social media, uh, or like if there's a particular task that you're just able to get done or work through because we have uh, Mercury conjunct Uranus. I would definitely say if you feel grounded enough, it's definitely a really great day to meditate, um, especially on some of the questions that I had posed at the beginning of the podcast, because you will get very scarily clear answers. And it's also really great to observe what you see in nature. Uranus is the collective mind. Um, and Mercury is our, well, one individual mind, faculty, attitude, thoughts, and ideas, but just being able to kind of explore what naturally is kind of coming up for you and what you're seeing around you. Mercury in Taurus is very, uh, very slow, very, very slow. Um, and so there are, are likely lots of things that you're witnessing and seeing that are slowly unfolding related to this story arc that's been playing out for you over the last you know, well, forever at this point. Um, But especially over the last couple of weeks where you're just like, oh, that makes sense. Um, It's a great time to 
it's one of those aspects where I will again say like kind of like watch your mouth and like watch what you say because you can't take things back. Um, <laughs> it's very er the energy of Uranus is very erratic. So there may just be lots of I would say because it's an earth sign, your um, inner dialogue might be really mean or harsh um, or really stubborn. Um, or it can be really difficult to make kind of concrete plans or like change your mind or do something differently um, and feel, again, very like bullheaded as it can be just, you know, Taurus wants it their way. And so you can be really stuck in defending, honestly, um, defending or speaking towards your belief and the idea that you should have it your way right and that your way is the right way so it's definitely an energy in which lots of arguments can kind of be sparked with people as well and I think it's just being able to examine for yourself where that's coming from that's incredibly important on May 1st we're going to have the moon and Leo opposite um, Mars and Aquarius and so this conversation that I was telling you about kind of Taurus and Leo kind of bickering um, with each other about like, well, I'm not changing. So are you changing? No, I'm not changing. So are you changing? And then Aquarius is also like, well, I'm not changing either because the future is important. And both of them being like, can you please shut up? So this is a day in which there may be a sense of, of frustration um, that you feel emotionally where things are not moving as quickly as, as you want them to it may be a, a conflict between like what you feel like you should be doing for yourself and what other people are expecting of you and you not really wanting to do that even though you know that it's incredibly important um it can be a day in which you feel like setting goals um especially goals related to your future are not in alignment with what it is that you want for yourself I think it's being able to realize that you individually serve a function that helps other people. And so being able to see for yourself emotionally beyond what makes you comfortable, that's the tricky part, right? Beyond what makes you comfortable about how you express yourself or how you receive um, attention or how you are received by other people, what is it, what way do you need to be received? Um, by other people that's going to serve the function of helping you to create goals that are alignment in alignment with the future that you'd want to create and ultimately is going to serve people um, in a way that maybe they didn't necessarily know that they needed um, or that they weren't necessarily very responsive to in the first place and then on may 3rd oh my gosh this day is hard um there's going to be a t-square between Neptune in Pisces, which is going to be square Venus in Gemini, which is then going to be square the moon in Virgo. So this is a day, and I believe that's Sunday, that will feel really emotional. And you're going to feel really, really sensitive. And it's going to be really easy for 
all of your feelings, your feelings about people, your feelings about yourself, to be just very murky. And it will feel like you may have to, I'm saying how it will feel, you'll feel like you have to kind of sacrifice or or choose which of those feelings matter the most, which of those are worth being honored, which can be honored, what of what you feel is real, what you don't feel that's real, you know. Someone who has, as someone who has Venus um, square, Neptune natally, it's one of those aspects that is is really difficult because there are lots of, uh, there's lots of um, rose-colored glasses <laughs> and lots of uh, delusions about like what's possible financially, what's possible within a relationship, what's possible um, in terms of how you value or see yourself. And it's really easy once that illusion is shattered to become really, really sad and, and really upset. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to realize that your ideals, ideals are not, they say this in the nicest way possible, ideals are not real. But they do add a framing and a framework that we can use to create values that are as closely aligned with those ideals as possible. Going back to what um, Aldous Huxley was saying, you know, happiness and contentment are not nearly as glamorous as like struggle and drama and, you know, all of these super, you know, really exciting things that like we naturally seek and want to experience, but are not um, realistic uh, you know, someone had mentioned, um, I don't, oh, I wish I remember who it was, but they were talking about like love. Um, I'm talking about how like when you're like experiencing like love, it can be kind of boring. Think about it. You know, I don't want to call Torians boring, but like when we're talking about just being routine and just sitting there, you know, and then being ruled by Venus and Venus being about love, it can be kind of boring and repetitive and like redundant. So it just is, you know? And so it can be very easy for us to like want to tip the scales with that, right? Where we're like, oh, okay, we need to throw some chaos and some drama in this shit to make it exciting. Or we need to create a really beautiful um, romantic image and idea of what this is or what I think this is so that it feels a lot better than what it actually is, right? And so it's like being able to kind of see that. And and of course, naturally, when we sit down with ourselves and we talk about how, like, mm, you know, maybe you're being a little bit delusional, people avoid that because there is a, naturally we want to see romanticism and and beauty and glamour and all of these really you know incredible things that sometimes life is just not able to give us or the things that we truly value about life are able to give us and it's being able to to realize that again going back to the idea of dhamma and the wheel of rising you know the wheel of of dharma and dhamma um and it's uh <laughs> the idea of cravings and aversions like we crave happiness and we crave those things right but they also create 
suffering because we're sad when it's not as exciting and fun as it used to be, you know, or how it felt or how that one thing was. And it's like being able to see for yourself, like, that's just not how it is all the time. And that's okay. And that can be a bit confusing and a bit annoying, especially with Venus in Gemini, where it's like, oh, let's, well, we can create some mischief and mayhem to make this, this ideal real. Um, But that doesn't make it, but it's then again, once Venus goes retrograde and it's like, okay, like we can do that. Like we can tease and we can have fun and we can play games and we can be mischievous with each other. Um, But like ultimately what function is it serving in relation to your values? And it's not to say that we abandon or don't experience those feelings. Like, fuck that. I'm an Aries. I love excitement and drama. But like, it's being able to make sure that we're not compromising what we truly value for the sake of experiencing some of those things. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, we're taking it there. The symbol... I think this is at 21 degrees. I didn't check. At 20 degrees Neptune. And we read this last week, but we're going to read it again. Under the watchful and kind eye of a Chinese sir. Oh my God. I This book sometimes is just so ridiculous. Under the watchful and kind eye of a Chinese servant, a girl fondles a little white lamb. Growth in consciousness in its earliest tactile awareness of the wonders of unsophisticated living. What did I just say? Anyway. Oh, this is so cute. I love how it just kind of mentions all of the things that I just talked about. Mary and her little lamb, but it occupies a different position in the five-fold sequence and a new factor is added, the Chinese servant. According to the old cult tradition, the original Chinese race was an extension of the humanity uh, or root race preceding ours. Thus, the stress upon the biological factors of family and ancestors, and also on the dualism of the yang and yin interplay. The Chinese servant represents the past as a servant of the new evolution. The white lamb suggests the sign of all beginnings. Aries. This new evolution is just about to begin during the late Pisces phase of the cycle of the year cycle. It is at yet an ideal of a white loveliness. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. The girl discovers the new feeling of the touch of the wool and the animal warmth. The preceding five-fold sequence began with a symbol suggesting the inspiring revelation of new truths or facts which the creative person is seeking to formulate. Now we witness another kind of discovery, a sensually emotional discovery, perhaps a present, a presentiment of the mother feeling. This first symbol of the 71st sequence, it brings together past and future, an overlapping of levels. The Chinese kindly watching the white girl. What the fuck? <laughs> the girl fondling the white lamb. There is charm 
and ingenuousness in the scene, a vision of white hope. Interesting. A hope for a future that can only be felt almost naively. This is really interesting, especially when we talk about um, ideals and values. What this really brings to me, especially when it's talking about white hope, what literally just came to mind next or the next train of thought that I went to was like the idea of like a great white hope. And then I started to think about uh, (laughs) um, the white savior complex. Right. And let me, this is going to take a second for me to like gather my thoughts. There is a way that we naively, and again, going back to the idea of like ideals versus values, and especially what we see in like the nonprofit sector, right? Where it's like, oh, we're going to save these people and we're going to do this and we're going to ah, 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 ah. And you know, there's this ideal of what the the value, you know, what the value, you know, what the values of this thing are. And then we see all of these people harmed in the process of trying to achieve said ideal. And honestly, you know, this white hope, <laughs> and again, speaking to this idea of naive, naivete, and it's like, that's just not realistic. And to be quite honest, that's what this aspect is really kind of just showing for us is an area of our life in which there are certain values or certain ideals that we don't want to give up. And because of that, they misconstrue our values and the things that truly matter. And they misconstrue what we feel about, what we, what we do about what we feel, right? So going back to this idea of like being in and trapped in and sucked into like the downward spiral, right? So with the moon in Virgo and speaking as a fucking Virgo moon, it can be really easy to get to that place of exhaustion because there is so much about keeping up appearances and working through and navigating and making our way to the this said rat race and making our way through this rat race and like just like I have to do this this is important this routine is important this is if I don't do this thing this is going to fall apart I need to focus here right and so it's like doing everything that you can to keep the engine running but forgetting about all the upkeep that all of the other pieces of this machine need in order to do that right and so Moon in Virgo says, show me something and show me something real. And Neptune in Pisces is like, well, I can't really do that, but I can show you this. And it becomes this really kind of frustrating point in which we're trying to make sense of what we're feeling and we feel really sensitive and we feel like we should be you know honoring these ideals but we also feel like we should be honoring our values and so moon and virgo is like we have shit to do like we can't play this this game in which we're like ruining in and experiencing these fairy tales and delusions that just aren't fucking realistic and I think it's important to mention, when you think about like Grimm's fairy tales, all of that shit was destructive, right? Like when we look at like fairy tales in the way that we we talk about them in popular culture, it's really funny like when you talk to people and they're like, oh, like the, the original story of like Snow White or Sleeping Beauty and all this other shit is fucking creepy and it's gross. If you've watched the movie, I think it's a good time to watch, rewatch um, 
the Grimm's fairy tales movies because it was really just so gross and creepy the way that they brought to life these fairy tales that are romanticized and are actually just really disgusting. So it's being able to realize in our own life things that are romanticized and truly are not really as helpful or serving a function that's related to our goals and our values in a way that we thought they were. And the moon in Virgo was like, come on, y'all. Like, do, you, do can we do something serious so that we can see that, so that we can know that, so that we can acknowledge that? The moon in Virgo earlier had a conversation with uh, the Mercury in Taurus, which is its ruling planet. There was a nice little trine there um, in which they had this discussion. All of these realizations and things that are coming through on around today by this weekend, it's going to be like, okay, like this is ridiculous. And like, I, I am struggling to believe this. Um, this doesn't rationally make sense. That's what, you know, Moon and Virgo is saying. Um, but like, it's something that I have played uh, played into. And it's something that like, I'm starting to see that it's, it's becoming really hard to stick to what it is that I value. Remember that that's at the center of what we're supposed to be doing. When we look at Gemini 21 degrees, which is where Venus is. Hopefully there's no more weird ass quotes about Chinese people as I have said before this book was written in like the 1920s don't don't come for me um tumultuous labor demonstration the revolutionary impact of mental concepts upon the collective emotions and desires of man this symbol parallels the one that began the process of exteriorization but the process is seen here operating definitely at the level of collective responses the mass of men have been aroused by mental images, slogans, ooh, this is perfect, and an appetite for the abundance the ruling class enjoys. This also applies to the individual person in whom contrasting spheres of activity have taken shape as a result of the mind-based individualizing process. The organic functions make their collective demands upon the lordly intellect. The stage may be set for the kind of revolutionary we call psychoneurosis. This begins the seventh five-fold sequence of symbols. It sets the stage for a tumultuous process which may lead to a new approach to the problems resulting from individualization. The repressed or, or oppressed instincts uh, stage an emotional outburst claiming their due. So it really is a time in which because we still feel so much pressure to align with what we value, it's really, really hard, especially when there are lots of, th I think it's important to mention again that Neptune also rules the media. When there are lots of things being shown to us and lots of delusions and, and fairy tales and things that are being shown at us that make it very hard for us to, you know, the thing about the mixture between that Gemini and that Pisces energy is that it creates so much confusion because they, there is literally no beginning or end to either of those archetypes. Gemini's can talk forever. Pisces can ruminate and fairy tale and imagine and take you on this weird like adventure 
um, emotionally and mentally forever. They can play that game forever. Y'all saw Tiger King, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's like, it, it just happened. So when these two things are happening together in which you're like, okay, like I'm trying to make sense of like what I'm experiencing in my own mind. I don't know what to believe outside of me is a really big thing that people might feel is definitely a really big thing that you will likely feel, especially this weekend. When you're dealing with that, it's like, what the fuck is going on? So it's definitely what I would say, be very easy on yourself this weekend. Try to avoid heavy drinking or drug use. I would encourage you if you're able to get outside, get some sun, talk to someone, do some things that are going to ground you and help you to make rational decisions, even if it feels very difficult. I honestly would say, and it comes to picking things in the, to, to align with energetically, pick the moon in Virgo because the moon in Virgo is going to allow you to compartmentalize and we're compartmentalizing in a way that isn't about repressing or suppressing, but compartmentalizing in a way that allows us to make an empowered decision about what we physically, mentally, and emotionally have space to deal with so that we do not feel overwhelmed and overrun emotionally. This is definitely a weekend in which I feel like lots of different information is going to be coming at us that makes sense because lots of states are going to be opening up at the beginning of May, which starts on Friday, right? And so there is naturally a lot of stress that this week is going to create in us as we're building up to this full moon. On the following day, so May 3rd, there's going to be a Kazemi Mercury. Woo! So it is a day to feel very enlightened. And I think it is a day in which we will see a very quick turnaround where we've moved from having an emotional outburst into having an emotional breakthrough, right? And this is one that has been primed in us over this week. So some of the things that you're experiencing and like are like, oh, ah, ooh, uh, uh, about right now are gonna be like, oh, by the time that we get to next Monday. Okay. And so it's like being able to see for yourself, there's just going to be this very, very, very clear moment in which it's very obvious that there is a particular direction that we're being pulled into. And so it's in a sense, an invitation to lean into this kind of slow moving cycle that is starting to unfold because then the next day we're going to see the north node go into gemini now i forgot that this is happening during this week and we've already been talking for like an hour but like this is so important i will likely do an entire episode or something related to this because of how important it is so the North Node is going to be in Gemini from the May. Wait a second. May 5th until January of 2022. I think January 21st to be exact. So there is going to be 
an opportunity for us to really remember for ourselves that what we believe and Neptune is a part of this conversation, right? Because Neptune in Pisces is answering to Jupiter. What we believe isn't just a belief. The difficulty with Jupiter when it is in, let's say Gemini, for example, is there is an idea that like, oh, I can just like believe things. (laughs) They're just ideas. It's just what I know. Like, what does that mean, right? But like Jupiter, when it is in its, uh, the planet in in the sign that it rules, which is Sagittarius, it's, it's fire, it's consciousness. So it, it understands that there is a, a moral and ethical aspect to what we believe. But the, the, the other side of that is that dogma emerges from that, right? So there's an opportunity for us um, over the next couple years or so to, to move from a place of dogmatic thinking and realizing where dogma exists within us culturally, within us. And when I say culturally, and I'm talking about norms, I'm talking about laws, I'm talking about taboos, I'm talking about mores, I'm talking about um, other parts of um, our culture. I'm talking about religion. I'm talking about these really big ideological systems that we believe or that we act like we still believe and being able to realize how they impact what world we think other people deserve and ultimately what we believe that we deserve, how it impacts our ideas and our attitudes, how it impacts our mental health and our mental well-being, how it impacts what things that we do that we even find valuable. I think it's going to be really important. Um, There is a really big, uh, while a really big opportunity for us to navigate and experience within our timelines and within our ancestry, the archetype of the trickster and the magician. Now, these are really important. It's really funny because the card that I pulled for earlier is the coyote, which is the the animal medicine card that is associated with the trickster. So there is this need to embody this archetype because it really challenges us to be very clever, um, very witty, and it allows us to create a certain amount of uh, genius that will help us to create the structures that we need for healing and it will help us to access some of the structures that we needed for healing. When we, when I think about ancestors who embodied the trickster uh, archetype, I actually, ah, when I was at um, wild, uh, the wild ginger herb gathering last year, I was talking, ah, I do not remember the name. They were talking about how all ancestors within the African diaspora were tricksters. And 
yeah, when you think about the the genius behind coding, you know, using the Christian religion to like code your own actual spiritual practices into them, the trickster was the person who took the scraps and were able to create soul food, were able to use what they were given to create spiritual, Negro spirituals and other norms and cultural ways of being that ensured survival, that ensured resistance. You know, that's what we're being called into in the North Node in Gemini. It comes at the perfect time. It comes at a time in which we are being challenged to to really ask ourselves, what do we believe? And beyond like, okay, like this is what I believe. Well, okay, like because you believe that, how does that impact what you do, what you think, what you say, what you learn, what you don't learn, what you don't say, the voice that's the loudest to you, the voice that's the quietest to you. And so it's important for us to reframe our beliefs because then we have the courage to elevate the voices that need to be heard. Again, voices that center healing, voices of our ancestors. And these voices are not just new voices, but a lot of them are old voices that we're not listening to. And so like the Kazemi Mercury on, you know, the day before, it's like, oh, and then it's like, oh, oh, oh like I, I didn't real, And it's like, yo, you did not realize, you know, and so it's being able to see for yourself that there are a lot of people um, that are speaking to us right now that we can't necessarily see, but we have to get quiet enough and trust that they'll come through and that they have things to share with us. And a part of being able to hear that is some of the work that we're going to be asked to do through this full moon. Now, full moon in Scorpio. It's about being able to see some of the deepest parts of ourselves, some of the parts of ourselves that are really painful to to deal with and experience or just things that we just avoid because they're just super, super uncomfortable, right? And I think it's important to note that some of the things that you're experiencing and dealing with, again, aren't even associated with one, this timeline, one, this era in time, two, with any type of present pain that you're experiencing and, and it feels super uncomfortable because it's it's other people's shit. <laughs> when I say other people, I'm talking about other people that you were connected to through your ancestry and through your DNA. I'm not talking about like the person, uh, you know, someone like you're dating or I mean, that could be the case. I'm not talking about like some random coworker who's like, oh, my God, I need this from you. And it's like, no, it's it's not their shit. It's like the their shit that's like important because like you're the person who's healing that particular instance for yourself, for your family and for other contracts and relationships that you have with people aside from those people. Cause we, you know, we have many, right? By the time we get past the full moon, 
there's going to be a trine between the moon and Neptune. And some of these delusions are going to start to shatter. Some of these fairy tales are going to start to look really gross. And the why, the, the priming that you need emotionally to kind of see that and experience that, is you're going to experience that during the full moon. So there's like a lot of emotional ups and downs, ups and downs. And we're going to feel like we're moving somewhere. And then we're going to feel like we're moving backwards. And that's absolutely fine. Seventeen degree Scorpio. A fecundated, a woman fecundated by her own spirit is great with child. Interesting. A total reliance upon the dictates of the God within. Interesting. I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to continue to read, but you know, to, um, be fecundated means to be pregnant. So she is pregnant by her own spirit, is with great child. That's very um, Mother Mary uh, reference, uh, I think, that we'll probably see as I, as I read into it, right? And it's very interesting given that other symbol of like Mary and her little lamb, because that also is related to that same archetype, right? is being able to realize that the power that you're looking for to overcome, to work through whatever it is that you are personally or collectively experiencing that's just really tough. <laughs> um, the really, really tough, like, what do you value? Where are you prioritizing? How are you valuing yourself? And it's like being able to look and see, like, this is the piece of me that's going to allow me to show myself that I can identify and see what that is. And so no wonder all of the illusions shatter and, and break within the following days, because there is this reminder that you have to have of yourself that, you know, because you are the embodiment of God consciousness, that you are in alignment with the natural cycles of things. And so that is really powerful. When we think about a seed and the force that it takes um, to break through the, the ground, right? Um, Amber Khan in like, I, I think her Eclipse Concrete episode from back in like 2018 talked about this where it's like a rose or a seed underneath that can burst through concrete it has that same potential energy even when it is in the soil and so this awareness she kind of goes on to talk about like this awareness that like you have that power regardless of whether you're sitting in soil in the easiest of circumstances 
or whether you're sitting under concrete, again, the idea of rising and passing, the idea of finding contentment, you know, and being during the most difficult of circumstances and during the worst circumstances is incredibly important. I don't know if I said this and I might have, and I apologize if I'm repeating myself. I don't like not feeling good. I don't like being in a space in which I emotionally and mentally feel hopeless and drained. Um, but I know how to sit in that space. Um, and that's came with like practice. Um, I know how to sit in that space knowing that that's just where I am. I think, ooh, someone who's talked about this is um, Lily Lion Paul. Hello, madam. Um, and I was talking to her um, on uh, Instagram Live many months ago now about uh, scarcity. And she was talking about, you know, within um, in, their, in her tradition, um, as an indigenous person, it's wherever you are is perfect. And like, that is also a same kind of principle that we see in Buddhism where it's like, look, you know, nature, it just is. It's not object. It's not subjective. It's just not subjective. It just is. And the thing about Scorpios and because, and the Scorpio moon energy is that with feelings, feelings are supposed to ebb and flow. And what do, does the Scorpio moon do? It holds on to feelings. And so it's the realization of like, we can't, hold on to everything the only process that is forever is the process of rising and passing so we have to be able to let go and make room emotionally and a part of that is riding that wave even when it doesn't feel very nice even when it feels really kind of trash um and knowing that we come out on the other side of that being able to redirect and put our faith in what matters, right? And, and who matters in the natural cycle of things. In contrast to the outgoing smile of the girl in the preceding symbol, here we see the result of a deep and complete concentration, reaching to the innermost center of the personality where the living God acts as a fecundating power. So our true creative power and our true value comes from being able to realize, actualize, and embody the God within. Productivity versus creativity. It's creation. Creation just exists, right? Productivity has to move, has to do. This power reveals the potency of the inward way, the surrender of the ego to a transcendent force which can create through the person vivid manifestations of the will of God, which is the will of the heart, right? This second phase of the 46th fivefold sequence brings to us the realization of normally hidden potentialities in the average human being of our day. Faith in the divine is shown here being concretely justified the human person becomes a mother of the living God. This is the transpersonal way of existence. 
it is the way that leads to creative mutations. So we find our way into the future. We find our ability to transcend. We find our way out of the hanged man state. We find our balance in the temperance state because we have to remember the temperance card speaks of divine timing and of patience and a middle ground. And it's being able to realize again that middle ground is stillness. And that stillness can lead to boredom, which can lead to grief, which can lead to depression, which can lead to feeling hopeless, which is okay. That's an okay place to be. It can also lead to contentment, which can lead to inspiration and joy and enlightenment, which is also okay. Both of those places are okay. And both of those places make space for an opportunity to, I don't even know how to, to say it, but like to, to move into a, a space in which we can realize and see that all that is needed for contentment um, and to affirm our value is to continue to have this, this trust and faith um, in the natural cycles of things. And so in continuing to know and, and, and affirm, like, this is what I value and these are the values that I'm going to, to live through. These are the values that I'm going to embody, which we're being asked again over and over and over again throughout tourist season. What do you value? What do you value? What does it mean to be? be? What does it mean to center pleasure? How do you show yourself that you value you? What are the inner possessions that you have that are inherently valuable? I think this living God inside of you is a definitely a inner possession that is valuable. How do you honor that? What emotionally is present that makes it difficult to access and feel into that truth and allow space to have faith in that, that that is enough and that that will be the thing that guides you to all it is that you need to feel supported to feel security and to feel stability and then eventually what we see uh, outside of us uh, is that our world also reflects that we get the sun that we need we get the water that we need we get the soil that we need we get the pollinators that we need to recreate that feeling and that experience over and over again. When you think about um, flowers and trees and, you know, other things, is like they don't, or even in nature, they do not ask anybody to come to them and pollinate them or impregnate them. All of those things 
arrive. Venus is a, attraction. It's, it's magnetism. Creation. It just sits and it waits patiently. So yes, those blessings that we were promised six months ago are still not here. Or maybe they are and we just can't see them. And that's fine. But we will have so many opportunities uh, as this season goes on and as we slow things down in a way that is going to be really fucking annoying. I'm just, I can feel it already. How slow things are going to move. But because that, we have so much time to learn. We have so much time to make sense of everything. I think it's really important to mention that like all of these conversations that these outer planets are having, they're having these conversations in their retrograde shadow periods. And that's what's really funny to me because it's like, oh my God, I figured this out. Oh my God. Ah, 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 ah. And it's like, actually, you've yet to unfold the juiciest part of any of these stories that we're telling you right now. Like we're getting there. It's a process. It is a process. Um, it is a deep excavation. Pisces season said, are you ready to take a deep dive? And lots of y'all said yes. And Pisces season said, cool. Let me show you. Let me show you the end of this age and the beginning of a new one in which all of the rules are completely different. And since all of the rules are completely different, that means that everything has to change. And now we're at that point where everything has to change. And then we forget that when everything has to change, we have to change too, right? And that's what makes tourist season so difficult because it's like, I don't want to change. And it's like, I get it. I don't really want to change either. But also we do want to change. So let's make that process as uh, least difficult as possible. I will close by saying the quote that we started this with one more time actual happiness always looks pretty squalid in comparison with the overcompensations for misery and of course stability isn't nearly so spectacular as instability and being contented has none of the glamour of a good fight against misfortune none of the picturesqueness of a struggle with temptation or a fatal overthrow by passion or doubt. Happiness is never grand. Happy tourist season, happy full moon, happy whatever part of the moon cycle it is when you're listening to this. I will talk to you next week. And that's another week of the Movement Worker's Guide to Astrology. If you enjoy this podcast, a few free ways to support are to share it with your friends and colleagues. You can share it on IG or Twitter and tag me at you, woman, you. 
You can even like or subscribe or even write a review if your podcast listening platform allows you to. Another way to support is by making a sustaining donation to my PayPal or booking a reading. Thank you for listening, supporting, and sustaining this offering. I'll talk to you next week.